Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, May the 4th, 2022, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book, and we're on page one, chapter one, Bill's story. On the, beginning on the second paragraph, we landed in England through two paragraphs ending in ominous warning, which I failed to heed, and we'll be commenting on both of those paragraphs. Today's readers, and thank you for your service, the 12 Steps, Tenzin P, 12 Traditions, Kelly I, readers of the text, Ken WH, Susan SH, and Marge O. Our newcomer greeter is Reba P, and our second hour host is Kathy C. The reference numbers. For yesterday, Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 18,915. That's 18915. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 18,916. That's 18916. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to please read the 12 steps. Thank you very much, Tenzin P., checking in from New York City. Uh, Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible 
except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and will move wrong promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tenzin P. And I'll now ask Kelly I to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Kelly I um, from Indiana, just reading the 12 traditions this morning. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Kelly I. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. 
Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page one, chapter one, Bill's story. And we're on the second paragraph beginning, we landed in England, reading through two paragraphs ending ominous warning, which I failed to heed. And we'll have to take comments on both paragraphs. And I'll now ask Ken W.H. to please begin reading. Well, uh, thank you so much, Lisa. This is Ken W.H., uh, Recover Compulsive Overeater from Cary, North Carolina. We landed in England. I visited Winchester Cathedral. Much moved, I wandered outside. My attention was caught by a doggerel on an old tombstone. Here lies a Hampshire grenadier who caught his death drinking cold, small beer. A good soldier is ne'er forgot, whether he dieth by musket or by pot. <clears throat> Ominous warning, which I failed to heed. Um, a little comic relief here. Um, <laughs> interesting uh, for Bill to, to pick this out. Uh, you can go look up the image of the tombstone on the internet. It's widely available. And um, the, the, one of the most striking features about this tombstone is that the man's name is Thomas Thatcher with an E and not an A. And to think of Ebby Thatcher uh, being the one who brought uh, the message to Bill. And uh, Ebby didn't make it. And neither did Thomas Thatcher, uh, dying of cold, small beer. I had to look up what a doggerel was, and um, it's it's a simple verse is really all it is, and it's meant to be comic, and it's meant to be kind of a burlesque of uh, the man's life, I guess, and um, just irregular. It's crude. It's poor poetry. It's it's rude. Um, and uh, it's clearly the case uh, in this gentleman's is his regiment uh, must have thought fondly of him in a kind of a weird sort of way. But he died of drinking cold, small beer, and I looked that up too. It just meant it had virtually no alcohol in it or very low levels of alcohol. And that he, what he probably needed was some real stuff, Um and that uh, drinking the cold small beer didn't help him a bit, and he died of his fever, uh, serious fever. He was 26, 26 years old. And uh, I think this is a writing on the wall kind of thing. Um, the writing on the wall comes <laughs> from a, uh, a biblical uh, passage as well, and so it goes back a long way, this writing on the wall and the warnings. And I had warnings forever. <laughs> on the wall for me with food. Uh, it was in my family. It's just um, I, I've known people who have um, basically killed themselves eating. Um, I once uh, had to uh, attended a, a, a burial service of a man whose casket was double-sized because of how large he was, and it killed him in his 40s. Um, it's just all the signs are there, and it's just denial is such a huge, huge <laughs> uh, reality in my life that I just couldn't see myself fitting into that cast of 
of those who would die of eating uh, <laughs> as uh, some <laughs> someone on the line would say eating my Kit Kat bars but uh, uh, I was headed that way I, I had all the signs my father died of heart disease I was Time. setting myself up thank you so much Lisa um, I think it's just a, a situation this is talking about the power of denial and um and I'll pass with that. Thanks. Thank you, Ken WH. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you've shared on any of the vision meetings Monday or Tuesday, we ask you to hold back and let others share. And who would like to share on what was read this morning? Harlan G. Silvana G. Harlan. Silvana, did I get that right? Yes, that's correct. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Harlan, Silvana, Joy F. Anybody else? Okay, I guess we'll get started with Harlan G, Silvana G. Oh, Rachel K, thank you. Okay. Harlan G., you're up, followed by Silvana G. Thank you very much, Lisa. And I'm out walking. If I could impose upon you to time me, I'd appreciate it. Let's take a look at what Bill is seeing here. Bill's father and mother divorced when he was 10 years old, which permanently traumatized him. Why did they divorce? Because of Bill's, Bill's father's alcoholism. Grandpa Wilson was an alcoholic who on a hike in Mount Elias in Vermont, he had a spiritual experience through no steps, no nothing. He became a dry drunk. He claimed, my grandfather, the wind blew through and through. But I don't know whether, Dr., whether Bill Wilson's grandfather had anything, but he became a dry drunk. Thomas Thatcher died of alcoholism. And he was drinking beer because in England they drank it in pots. And it was quart pots and pint pots. And it was considered extremely bad manners to sit and drink. So they stood and there was a bar in the inn that they leaned on. And to this day, bar stools are higher than dining room furniture, kitchen furniture, as an homage to those days. And when the guys would get unruly from drinking, they'd say, watch your pints and quarts. And in the late 1600s, early 1700s, when that expression came to the colonies, it became watch your P's and Q's. And that's where that comes into the language today. <laughs> Bill has been warned seriously against drinking. He has been warned by the Griffiths not to drink. Mama has told him, don't drink, Bill. It blew up your family. And he's looking after having exposed himself to alcohol in Plattsburgh, he is now in England, and he is looking at this tombstone, and it has a great effect on him so much so that he will mention it three times. He will forget the warnings because he can't remember them because of the mental twist and the physical allergy. Alcoholism has manifested in his life. And for right now, it's too late to turn back. He has no spiritual mechanism with which to, to stop his fall. And so he's looking at the grave of a man 
who drink himself to death, he knows he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to follow in the footsteps of the Wilsons that went one and two generations before him, but he has no way to stop. Now, Tom Uzzel edited the big book. This was supposed to be in the story section, not in the first part. Tom Uzzel came in and in late 1938 moved Bill's story to the first chapter. I can use this chapter as a way of identifying in. Do I think the way Bill thinks? Do I eat the way Bill drinks? Yes. I have been warned from the time with that. I'll pass. Thanks, Lisa, for your service, and I appreciate having this opportunity. Bye. Carlin, thank you so much for sharing. Silvana G., you're up, followed by Joy S. Hi, this is hi, this is Savannah G. I'm a compulsive overeater, and thank you, Lisa, for your service today. I just wanted to that the ominous warning. I failed to um, I failed to see uh, there are many of them. Um, and what's funny about my um, recovery is that I sat in the OA rooms for twenty almost tw- it'll be twenty nine years in October. And that's the really sad part for me was that I, I had it right, I had it right there available to me, but I still, I still failed to see all the warnings. I mean, I sat in meetings where, you know, like myself, a hundred pounds overweight, um, like you know, I would go to Sam's Club and I couldn't make it across the floor of Sam's Club. I mean, um, that's. That's a warning right there for me that I also didn't pay attention to, or, or I just chose to over, you know, I chose to, like was shared, what was shared earlier, I just chose to be in denial about many things, and and that led up to me not seeing all the warnings. I mean, I just had blinders on for whatever reason, um, but I mainly wanted to um, share because I wanted to identify in because I, I've been, I've been on Zoom meetings, and I've been listening to Vision for You for 20 months, and um, I've had a lot of recovery, but, you know, I'm not going to keep this recovery if I don't start plugging in and sharing and identifying in, um, and I need to do that more. And I, um, uh, and so I'm going to continue to listen in and hopefully share more, and I um, thank you for your service again, and thanks for letting me share. Silvana G., thank you for sharing. And Joy S., you're up, followed by Rachel K. Hi, good morning. This is Joy S. Um, thank you, speaker, for your uh, share this morning. Um, the power of denial is just, gosh, you know, how do I know what I don't know, you know? And, um, you know, just you know, for such a long time, you know, that whole debating of, you know, am I a compulsive overeater? Am I a real compulsive overeater? And do I really have the uh, physical allergy and that mental obsession? And, like, it's so plain to see the day that I see it. But prior to that day, it's unknown. And that that is so – that's what's so crazy about this this. Uh, this disease, you know, it truly is for me a mental illness. And then one day, by God's mercy, 
I'm able to see it. I'm able to see it so strongly. That's just like, wow, you know, hopefully for today, I can never go back. And to be in that place of safety is it's truly God's, God's grace. It is not me. Um, and it is just by the power of working this program, working the steps, working the steps really, really hard, um, giving of myself freely to my sponsor. And I'm just so, so grateful. Thanks. Thank you, Joy S. And Rachel K., you're up. Rachel, press Hi, this is Rachel K. in uh, Indiana. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I had a problem. Hold on just one second. I'm getting a drink of water. Great timing to have a coughing fit. Hi, this is Rachel K., um, Recover Compulsive Overeater in Indiana. Um, and thanks for um, calling on me. Yeah, so the thing that stands out for the uh, in this for me is that um, – <clears throat> Two things. Well, it says, uh, he says, much moved. He went to Winchester Cathedral, and I was lucky enough as a, as a kid to go to Winchester Cathedral, and it's, it's pretty spectacular. But, I mean, you guys can imagine, even if you haven't been there, you know, the majestic cathedral with so much history and much moved. And there were times in my life where um, I thought, because I struggled in this program for 15 years before I finally put down the food uh, for good, God willing, and, and got recovered. And um, there were so many times when I, you know, I would have what I thought was a profound spiritual experience, you know, sitting on the beach, looking at the waves or, you know, on some kind of recreational drug um, or just something that I thought Ah, uh, you know, this is it. I found God, and I am never going to binge again because I found God. And you know, and then the next day, or even that night, I would pick up the food. And the thing was, first of all, you know, I I didn't have a spiritual experience until you know after I I knew I was like, oh, that must have been a spiritual experience because I'm not picking up the food. Um, and to expect that some sort of profound thing like that, like some of you is going to do the work for me is ridiculous. I like what the last, um, person who shared said about doing the work, you know, that's great. And I, abstinence and recovery is a gift I received, but I have to do the hard work to receive it. I've got to be present to win and and do the hard work. I've got to work these steps. I've got to be of service. I've got to clean house. I've got to trust God, help others. All those things, I can't just expect that I walk into some sort of majestic place and feel the presence of God and that's going to, you know, knock the food out of my hands. No, I've got to do the work. And, um, and then when he, you know, looks at the tombstone and says he fails to heed its warnings, there were so many times. I mean, I got fired from jobs. You'd think that I would heed that warning. Rachel, your, your life is pretty messed up. You just got fired for basically calling in fat, although I lied. You know, I was so hungover from my last binge that I made up some kind of lie. But no, I, you know, I'm, thanks. Uh, I'll, I'll pass then. 
Thank you, Rachel Kay. Um, and thank you to everyone who shared to this point. And we have read and are sharing um, from Bill's story, page one, paragraph two, beginning we landed in England and ending, um, reading through two paragraphs, ending which I failed to heed. And who else would like to share this morning? Jennifer C. Jennifer. Tony B. Tony B. Lisa B.T. Lisa B.T. Jack Betty w. N. Goldberg. Oh, somebody W. Sorry, a gentleman. Jack. Jack. Okay. Yes, ma'am. And then somebody with the last initial M. Golda H. Betty. Oh. Betty N. Ro okay, Rosa. Golda H. Hang on. Betty N. And there was one other person. Rose F. Rose, Rose. Okay, so this is what I have. Jennifer C., Tony B., Lisa B. T., Jack W., Betty N., Golda H., and Rose F. Excellent. Jennifer C., you're up, followed by Tony. Hi, good morning. This is Jennifer C. Can I be heard? You can. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Um, good morning, everybody, and uh, thank you for your service this morning, everyone that is on this line and doing their part to make this happen for all of us. Thank you so much. You know, when I, when I read this paragraph, you know, what comes to mind so clearly is he didn't see what he didn't see, right? Like he didn't see what he didn't see, period. Hindsight is 2020. Hindsight is always 2020. But unless God gives me vision, I'm blind. And the beautiful part of Bill's story was that he gained the clearest sight on page 13 when he says how blind I had been, right? Like he could see most clearly only when he could recognize how blind he had been. Um, in my life today, I see most clearly when I can recognize my spiritual blindness. That's when God can can open my eyes so that I can see, right? So a stop sign is only as effective as I can see it, right? If I can't see the stop sign, it's not an effective stop sign. God restores me to sanity, which is the ability to discern true from false, right? It's the ability to heed. Um, but it's also the ability to see what I don't see and to know what I don't know on my own. So for today, my sight is based on admitting that I'm powerless to see what I don't see, just like he was, and, and that I, 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 claim, I claim blindness, right? So I claim a default mode that is based on self-centeredness, right? Like that's my spiritual blindness is that I will automatically filter things through a very self-centered lens. I need God. And so for Bill... His spiritual experience was literally founded on knowing that without God, he was completely lost, right? Like he couldn't see the warnings. He didn't see it as a warning. He was powerless, right? So sanity, the ability to see what I couldn't see otherwise. So thank you, God, um, for steps one, two, and three. And the fact that, you know, only God, only God can help me see what I could never see before and restores my sight um, to 2020, one day at a time. So thank you all. And uh, with that, I pass.
Thank you, Jennifer C. And Tony B., you're up, followed by Lisa B.T. My name is Tony B., and I'm a compulsive overreader from the Republic of Ireland. Thanks very much for the sharing and the service that people do on this line today, you know. And uh, just coming back from a relapse there, you know, and uh, Bill, you know what I mean, wandered outside, you know what I mean, and uh, I've had those moments of higher power as well. When I was a very young kid, I prayer, I sent up for prayer, but they were they only lasted seconds, to be quite honest, you know. But, um, you know, I don't need to chase it today, you know what I mean? All I need to do is understand that I don't need to be uh, happy all the time, you know what I mean, and try to walk the program. So, um, yeah, um, I remember a sponsor telling me one day that, uh, well, don't you read Bill's story out of the book? And I was highly insulted. Me, I need, I need something more powerful than that. But it, but it was a powerful story, to be quite honest. And uh, I'm glad I found the big book and the steps and the fellowships and stuff like that. And, uh, but oh God, I'm lost. And uh, people talk about the impediments to God, you know, and uh, i got to work on them. Resentments, amends that, that I won't make. Secrets I won't tell. Restitutions I won't make. So thanks very much for the opportunity to share. And I'll pass it that. Thank you. Thank you, Tony B. And Lisa B.T., you're up, followed by Jack W. Hi, good morning. This is Lisa B.T. near Toronto in Canada. Um, gratefully recovered overeater and uh, grateful for all the service this morning. Um, I think for me, um, I, I know for me all along what's really grabbed me has been the storytelling. Um, everybody loves a good story because I think it just captures the imagination. Like I'm the way Bill describes, um, you know, being in Europe and seeing this incredible cathedral and, um, you know, as a North American going over to, to Europe, you know, the cathedrals and wow, I've never seen anything like that in the scale and so on. And just capturing that kind of the wonder, but then also this, this tombstone. Um, and it's like, I had this sense of who this person was, just the way he he describes, you know, sort of reading what was on on that on that tombstone. But I also think that it's that thing about in any good story, you start somewhere and something happens, and then you get somewhere else. Um, and we're not at that place yet. He's talking about, you know, that he's in this denial. Um, this foreshadowing of um, you know this terrible affliction that's not only in his life but you know in his family's life and so on. And I realized that for me the denial for such a long time was not that I had a problem with food because I knew I did, and so did everybody around me. It really really upset my mother when I started to gain weight as a as a young teen, and I could start sneaking around and getting a little bit of money, and you know suddenly. It was really obvious I had a, a problem with food, um, but I don't think that I understood for the longest time that um, there was a part of me that was very, very self-seeking, that really felt like I deserve, I deserve a treat, I deserve some food, I'm feeling upset, people have been, you know, fill in the blank, I'm so sensitive, fill in the blank, and I don't think... Um, I, I understood that aspect of my denial um, for a very, very long time. Um, and even though I worked a step four and five, I, I still didn't really move on past that. 
So I never really, I just was sort of stuck in sort of one through five for, for quite a long time. Um, so, so I feel today for me that's been the, the gift and the insight that I've been um, very, very grateful to have received is that the scales have fallen away um, and I've continued to work on all the steps um, and that's really changed me. But that denial, I'm in, I'm in my 60s, that denial has hung on for decades. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Lisa B.T. And Jack W., you're up, followed by Betty N. Hi. I was unmuting. I believe you said Jack W. Is that correct? I did. Go right ahead. Hi. Good morning. My name is Jack W. I live in Florida. I was just um, listening, and I've got some notes in my big book. uh, And that last sentence, omnius warning. Beside omnius, I have... uh, a note that says unfortunate, which I failed to heed. And I've got an asterisk by heed, which says place close, pay close attention to. So then I was just sitting here waiting and I, and I read the paragraph above in the, the last sentence. I know it was yesterday's reading, but I was very lonely and again turned to alcohol and I, I was on a meeting Saturday afternoon, and I shared about uh, I felt like I, I lived on an island. I'm such an introvert. I've had fear all my life. And uh, somebody suggested, which is, I guess, a warning that I need to pay close attention to, to, to have a circle of friends in OA, to have a God squad. And people you can talk to for those um, times when we're just emotional beings. And uh, for me, being entirely abstinent, I was watching a baseball game last night, and I loved baseball, and I played it as a kid and on into junior high and high school and quit, probably because of fear and then alcohol, pot, and nicotine, and at about 15, but uh, I love that sport, but my addiction, I'm going to just blame it on the fear. I um, I was watching this batter and catcher, and I was a catcher, and I was real good, but this catcher would uh, say these things to try to scare me while I was batting. Had I been a strong, uh, courageous young man, he really deserved a beating. I mean, me standing there with a bat in my hand, and I just felt the anger uh, fester up, you know, and this was, um, I'm going to say I was 14, and I'm 64, so 50 years ago, so I was just pondering how, you know, I probably should have picked up the phone and, and maybe talked about that or see what was going on with somebody else to be of service to help them to process that feeling but anyway just letting people know that I uh, I need you guys and um, kind of get in touch right now just sensitive when I'm entirely abstinence and it's it's a it's a good feeling to be able to feel 
Uh, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jack W. And Betty N., you're up, followed by Golda H. Good morning. This is Betty N. in Florida. Um, thanks. I would like to thank everyone for their service, and I'd love to thank everyone who shared so far. You're all very inspiring, and that's a little bit what I feel this morning. I feel inspired, and um, I feel moved to talk in a little bit different way. I love the history and the storytelling, but as I read this section this time, I realized how inspired perhaps Bill was to not just accidentally wander outside. I'm just thinking, you know, of God's um, ability to uh, move us in directions even when we're not uh, ready for the big picture. Um, it just seems like it, it, was, it couldn't have been an accident that that Bill was there so many years before he wrote the big book and that he just accidentally wandered outside and that he even remembered this poem because he didn't have the internet to go to and look it up, uh, you know, years later when he was writing his story. He must have either written it down, you know, on a piece of paper or just had a very good memory and remembered it many years later. Um, so I, I'm, just, I'm just really in awe of all the accidents of fate that came together in this one little section of the big book and, of course, in many other sections, too. The fact that they moved the story to the front of the book because I did, I, at first I didn't read those stories in the back, and we don't read them now, you know, as part of this meeting, but we read this story because it's in the front of the book. Uh, so I just think it's wonderful that uh, the, the fellows of this good soldier were inspired to write this doggerel, this kind of comic poem, which if they had just written something plain about, you know, please remember, you know, our friend, uh, he was a good soldier, you know, even though he didn't die, you know, in some kind of combat or something. He died probably from the residue left over from his service. So I just, uh, you know, they were inspired. Bill was inspired. And uh, I just can't, I can't, it's just today was the first time this all appeared to me that, that all this inspiration years before, you know, came together when Bill wrote his story so many years later. And uh, with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Betty N. And Golda H., you're up, followed by Rose F. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for your service. Um, I'm Golda H. from Israel. I'm a food addict. And, a, and um We lost you, Golda. Press star one. Oh, can you hear me now? There we go. I can hear you now. Thank you. I don't. I don't know how I got muted again. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, again, um, again. I, I'll begin again. Okay. 
I am Golda H. from Israel. I am definitely a food addict. And um, I just first want to share about Winchester Cathedral, not the cathedral itself, but I've had many, many very intense spiritual experiences. And, and through, as someone said, through hindsight, I think it's very, someone needs to be muted. But anyway, through hindsight, I see that those spiritual experiences could never have gotten me sober and didn't get me abstinent, didn't get me anything. But what they did was I got to meet God. It was like, oh, there you are. Wow, you really exist. And I must matter because you're showing yourself to me or I'm letting you, whatever. So I started my relationship with my higher power with these spiritual experiences But to have a real relationship, you have to have a working, ongoing relationship. And all my addictions and my food just wouldn't let that happen. So then I had to buckle down and get to work and have spiritual experiences of the educational variety. But definitely those spiritual experiences were very important. And I see through hindsight that they led me forward. It was like my father beckoning to me. I'm here when you're ready to do the work. I'm here. This is what I'm waiting, you know, and I'll I'll help you do the work also. The other thing is uh, that um, this idea that I, yeah, it's both denial, like I, I don't know what I don't know, But I also, we get glimmers. We do get glimmers that later when I tell my story or I look back, I realize, oh, yeah, deep down I did know that. Um, And now I could see it. So I'm connecting up with my past, the part of me that I couldn't access in the past. Anyway, I don't have a good, I was trying to think of a good example, but I couldn't think of one. And the last thing I'll just quickly say is, is about all the warnings, all the warnings, all the warnings. I went to OA meetings and other food fellowship meetings for years, and I never really saw myself as a food addict. I really didn't. I was doing very complicated diet work, very enlightened, educated diet work, you know, but I really didn't think I was an addict. And boy, was I shocked and astounded when my disease had progressed to the point where I couldn't stop literally night and day stuffing sugar and flour down my throat, literally throwing it in my mouth almost. So I had no idea. So talk about denial. I really never had an idea that I had that serious a problem until I did. So, but thank God I, I, I had been warned and I guess on some level I took in the warning because it could have gotten a lot worse than it did. I did catch it relatively early. So that's good. Thank you. Thank you, Golda H. And Rose F., you're up. Hi, this is uh, Rose S. Um, from Michigan. Um, the warnings I received um, were for many years. I mean, my my mom took me and my, my twin sister to um, to a diet program where she worked when I was a teenager, and that didn't work. And then when I was in high school, I tried um, other uh, uh, diets, uh, Weight Watchers and many other ones, protein diets, liquid protein diets, and none of it worked. And um, my my warnings were definitely, you know, when I was way over 100 pounds overweight, uh, my doctor said, you know, uh, you got to do something about your weight. You, your um, your cholesterol is really high. 
your blood pressure pressure is really high. I had severe sleep apnea, and um, you know um, none of that made a difference to me. I was still just denying that I had a problem with flour and sugar when I put it in my body. It was my it was my drug, and I was off. You know, off to the races, and. Um, I'm so glad that I found this OA program, and um, you know uh, I'm working a day at a time and um, trying to stay focused and in the presence of of, of my higher power. So thank you, uh, Rose S from Michigan. Pass. Thank you, Rose S. And we have we're on Bill's story this morning, page one. Paragraph two, beginning with, we landed in England and reading through two paragraphs, ending in, uh, which I failed to heed. And we have probably time for three, maybe four more shares. Vasa O. Vasa, I heard Vasa O and somebody H. Mary H. Oh, Mary. And I think I heard Vanessa. Lee H. Lee H. Maybe it was Lee H. Okay, let me tell you what I have. Um, right now I have Vasa O, Mary H, I think Vanessa, and Lee H. So Vasa Stephanie o, W. Um, I don't know if we'll get to you, Stephanie, but I'll put you on there. Um, All right, thank you. Vasa, sure. Vasa O, please share with us. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa, for your service, and good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive, over to calling from uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts. And I love Bill's stories, Bill's story, and I love reading all the stories in the back of the book, you know, and I love to hear other people's stories in my programs, and we all have a story to tell. And uh, what I got from Bill's story was his mom told them that alcoholism ran in the family. His daddy was alcoholic, and I could relate in my own family when I took an inventory, with the, my food addiction, didn't, I didn't come out till I was 15 years old till we came in America. And but in my history, my father was, in, you know, he liked to drink. He loved to drink. My grandfather and my great grandfather was fallen drunk. So, um, but my mother struggled with the food addictions. We all did as a family when we came in America because we were introduced all this unhealthy foods and I remember my mother my mom saying well you know I gotta make it up we gotta make it up for the times when we didn't have you know good food in the whole country and uh, I and she was she started developing all kinds of physical problems and the food they take her to death you know and I remember her telling us don't do what I'm doing look at what I'm doing to myself you know and I didn't know anything about the program. I had no clue about the allergy. My mother didn't know anything about, about the allergy or the mental obsession. I mean, the doctor warned her, and the doctors were beginning to warn me, you know, because I was uh, blowing up myself, you know, with the food. And I had no clue about the allergy or the mental obsession. I knew I had mental obsession, but I, you know, you know because I could not stop it. But I did not know about that, the allergy of the body. I was consuming about probably about five pounds of sugar every other week, baking and cooking 
and eating and serving to other people. I mean, looking back, I said, well, then I learned this was a drug. I didn't know it was a drug. If I continued doing what I was doing, it was just going to kill me. I was terrified when I came in the program. And I needed to put everything aside that I knew about myself, about God, about anything of that stuff, and start all over. And that was the key. You know, my sponsor said the only way we can put the food out is we surrender to a higher power greater than ourselves and work the, follow the steps, work the, the, the program that will lay down. And that's my time. And that's how I started. I went cold, time. cold turkey, put the sugars down. But anyway, there'll be another time. I can share a little bit more. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Mary H., you're up, followed by Vanessa. Maybe that was supposed to be Lee H. and not Mary H. <laughs> Lee, do you want to go? Oh, good morning, Lisa. Thank you so much for hearing my voice. This is Lee H. in Tennessee, and I'm so thankful to be here this morning and listen to these beautiful shares. Um, I, I kept looking at the the words ominous warning, um, and in Bill's story, I think he was at this point where he wanted alcohol instead of he he went from wanting it to absolutely needing it later on. And so I have to look at that uh, for myself. Um, I've heard somebody say, I heard this saying about my disease is like being beaten with a feather or a soft bunny rabbit. Um, my disease with food just uh, just was decades of, of sometimes knowing I had a problem to being in denial that I had a problem. The first time that I realized that there was something wrong with you know just this issue of being overweight was when I was a little girl and my grandmother was always watching her weight because my grandfather uh, was on her about her weight all the time (laughs) and so she used to drink this liquid protein drink at lunchtime Um, but I never once thought that there was any problem going on it was just sort of something she did but what brings me to what brought me to this program and really to understand where I could really hear what the problem was was the gift of desperation that my higher power gave me, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, it's just interesting though because denial can still creep in, and uh, you know the gift of desperation isn't there uh, when I need it, but my higher power. It's such a gift to have this gift of abstinence, and um, I'm just grateful for going through the steps and doing the hard work, Uh, but it's not over, and I have to continue. But I do it not now with uh, dread or out of a, a, you know, I don't want to do this. You know, my higher power has taken the selfishness, some of my selfishness away and helping me to be... um, excited about being able to sponsor people and so thanks so much lisa for letting me share i'll pass thank you lee h and 
I heard Vanessa and Stephanie. Did I get Vanessa correct? And if you'll give me the first initial of your last name. Hi, this is Vanessa G. from New Mexico. And if I were, thank you for letting me um, onto the line this morning, Lisa, and thank you for your service. I am, um, when I read this part of Bill's story, I think about if I were writing my story, how would I start it out? And when I was about Bill's age, I attended two funerals. Um, My uncle on my mother's side, um, who had died of cirrhosis, and my auntie on my dad's side, who had died in her bed, grossly, morbidly obese at a fairly young age. And I remember being fascinated by both of those funerals. Um, The one um, staring into the open casket of my uncle and seeing his belly so distended from the cirrhosis that he was touching the top of the casket. And my auntie, who was in an oversized casket, which wasn't open, with her pallbearers struggling and almost dropping her on the steps. And I remember thinking to myself, I just don't want to die those ways. And I thought I had all the power in the world to not die in those ways. And from this vantage point, from this vantage point of recovery, I can look back and see that what I didn't know was is that I had no control over possibly dying that way. That it wasn't up to me that genetically and culturally and however else this disease attacks us, I was doomed. And that was the way that I was going to die, one way or the other. I am so grateful for the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. I am so grateful for everybody on this line that gives me the opportunity, um, not, you know, the certainty, but the opportunity to recover and to die in a way that hopefully um, is recovered with purpose and with um, the ability to, well, just with dignity. Anyway, I, um, I just want to appreciate all of you and um and thank god for my recovery this morning thank you lisa thank you vanessa g and stephanie w um we do have one minute if you'd like to take it okay sorry about that stephanie perhaps you'll um, come on Yep, there you go. Oh, great. Thank you. One minute. All right. I'm Stephanie W., compulsive overeater. Um, I just want to check in, tell you all that the shares that have been given today have given me chills. Uh, Ominous warning. You know, something that occurred to me recently in my Step 10 work is that as I process the resentments from the past, just like my character defects, I have to look at the assets that came from the things that triggered me. You know, I look at how I'm, I'm dealing with um, some resentments of my, my father, who is morbidly obese and not uh, going through, you know, recovery. He's, he hasn't found recovery, and, you know, God bless him. But it is an ominous warning. It is an opportunity for me to see what could be. And I just 
know, someone said it best earlier with not uh, a guarantee, but um, an opportunity to recover. And I, I just want so badly to take advantage, seize the, seize the opportunity. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks to everyone who shared this morning. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, May 4th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 18,922. That's 18922. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Susan S.H., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Lisa. This is Susan S.H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio and very grateful. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.